I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to, you know, well you'll see later. I stand for mayhem! I know a lot of fucking idiots who think a lot of shit is mean-spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why Are You Laughing? A History of Comedy podcast coming to you live, not from the vaulted podcast studios this week. It's a Zoom episode because uh, I wanted to make sure you people got an episode while I was away. And today I'm pleased to introduce you to the Ron and Fez show. Um uh matt from rhode island is with me of course hello sir what's, up? what's going you guys on you're finally getting your wish uh craig and mike are not here so we'll see we'll see how this goes this is the final combination this is the the final we'll see if this is the one where there's no there's no blowback at all if it's just it already fits like a glove i'm already enjoying myself i don't hate there's no one interrupting with tj miller or Patton oswald observations <laughs> to fucking bring the conversation to a screeching halt it's nice very good um all right. Well, maybe I miss Craig. Never mind. So I, 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 uh, I gotta be honest. I know yeah. nothing about Ron and Fez other than the clips that I gathered for you. Yeah. So I think that's probably the case with most people. Uh, if you're a gearhead on patreoncom slash blind Mike, um, we did a couple episodes about Fez Watley when he died and inevitably, inevitably, if you talk about the Ron and Fez show, it kind of devolves into a discussion about Fez. Um, but these guys were not, had a weird level of popularity. Um, they were not Howard Stern. They weren't even Opie and Anthony, uh, but they did make a pretty big impact in radio. And I find them to be one of the more unique shows ever. Um, and they're one of the uh, topics that I wanted. Like when I started this podcast, um, they're one of the topics that I thought of more as um, interesting to introduce to people, like rather than it's, it's something that I don't think, a lot of people particularly know about, but hopefully uh, after listening to this episode, you go down a rabbit hole of Ron and Fez clips on YouTube. Um, but I guess we'll start from the beginning. And like I said, Matt will be kind of speaking for the audience, because like I said, um, most of you probably don't know a lot about them. So feel free to chime in with questions or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, late 80s, um, Ron Bennington owned a comedy club in Florida. Um, and was a radio guy and started the Ron and Ron show with Ron Diaz. Um, and they lasted for about 10 years in Tampa, Florida. Uh, we're kind of a big deal in that market. I think, you know, did pretty well in the ratings and everything. Uh, and they hired an intern named Todd Hillier, uh, who we now know as Fez Watley. So basically, uh, the story goes that Ron Fez would do like, not so much stand up, but like performative, almost similar to like Pee Wee Herman type bits, I guess. Like he was very character driven and things like that. So Fez Watley was a, it was a, he was his character. Fez Watley was a, played. yeah, Fez Watley was a character and kind of just became the guy, as we'll talk a lot about today. Okay. So uh, Fez Watley was a character of Todd Hillier and the idea that he was this very flamboyant, uh, clearly stereotypically gay character uh, that would never admit he was gay, which was a very 90s thing. Um, and the idea in that time was like, particularly in the South, like Ron would always say in Florida, you had these, you know, rednecks call in 
and be like, you know, like I don't know what I think about these gays, but I like that fence. Like he would turn, <laughs> literally would turn this, you know, kind of closed-minded audience on how they thought about gay people, or at least that was the goal. Um, so, at, well, let's play, I think the first clip we have, uh, we'll just give you an idea of what the Fez character was. The intern Fez? Yeah. You know, Ron and Ron, I don't think anyone purchased this particular videotape to see some cheap powdered up broads and some wacky violence, okay? They bought this tape for one reason, one reason alone, and that's to see the greatest box office attraction in entertainment today, Fez Marie Watley. Let's face some facts. I am the heart, I am the soul, I am the jibs of this show. I make the Ron and Ron show. I fucking rule. So you hear there a pretty stereotypical type of like gay character. Yeah. Which I think kind of became a trend in morning radio. But like when uh, Fez Wally started as like an intern and then producer on the Ron and Fez show, it wasn't as common for like these, you know, men's men shock jock type of shows to have like a flamboyant gay character in there. So that was the thing back then. Um, and Ron and Ron uh, went through a lot of turmoil. So I've never heard Ron doesn't talk about his personal life hardly at all. Like now he currently does a show um, with his daughter, Gail. And I would say most fans of uh, Ron and Fez didn't even necessarily know if he had kids. Like he didn't speak a lot about his family ever. Um, but like I found articles. So in the, early to mid nineties, Ron got arrested for, um, he was, uh, he was like a booze hound and did a lot of Coke back in the day like that. He has talked about, uh, but there's something I never heard him talk about. He was arrested, uh, for possession. So his daughter, who the one he now does a show with, um, apparently got into the family's medicine cabinet and just took something. And it turned out to be Ruflin. And there's very shady, like, I've never heard him talk about this. The article doesn't specify why he had Rooflin in the house. It's very weird. Uh, so I don't know what the deal is there. Yeah. Um, Not medically prescribed. I, I assume. I'd be I very assume. surprised. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. If he was taking them himself or, you know, I don't know if it gets worse, but I've never heard anything related to that other than the, you know, articles you can find from the nineties back then. Yeah. Also, uh, kind of around the same time, Ron Diaz, Ron Bennington's partner, um, his wife was diagnosed with AIDS and battled it for three ish, three, four years um, and then died in 1997. And it was right around that time that Ron Diaz wanted to quit the show and move on to do other things. I think Ron Diaz became like the Tampa Bay Rays announcer, if I'm not mistaken, at some point. Oh, OK, um, it, so so. At this point, I just want to go back to Fez quick. Yeah. If Fez, the clip we just played, he's still an intern, or is this when he transitioned into producer? That so he transitioned into producer pretty quickly, I think. And then I think kind of became a prominent voice. Uh, because towards the end of their run, uh, Ron and Fez of a fight of you can find a very short clip on YouTube um, when they're breaking up. Uh, they kind of get into a fight just about, you know, Ron Bennington uh, bought a house and started paying a mortgage right before the show broke up because Ron Diaz didn't tell me he was leaving and there was a lot of tension there and everything. 
but in that clip, you kind of hear Fez chiming in as if it was, you know, uh, Baba Booey or E-Rock yeah, right, or yeah, some, yeah. That's some, like that level of uh, input I think he had on the show. Yeah. Um. So, you know, they get through the '90s with Ron and Ron. They were very successful. I think eventually, at least, they put their differences behind them. Like I think Ron and Ron had no hard feelings. Um, in the you know years after the Ron and Ron show, but Ron Diaz left morning radio and then the Ron and Ron show, like they tried to make that work for a little while, and then I think they were released from the station in Tampa. And but uh, Ron saw something in Fez that said, I think this guy's gonna be my next co host. They went to D- Daytona Beach for a couple of years. I think I'll just like you know quickly go through the synopsis before we get into a lot of the clips mm-hmm. and more of the inside stuff. Um, so they were in Daytona beach for a couple of years and uh, it, Jeremy Coleman, who ended up being the PD at WNEW for the Opie and Anthony days. Um, he was building, he was changing NEW into this talk format. Like WNEW was this le- legendary rock station um, and they wanted to change it to talk. And their centerpiece was kind of the Opie and Anthony show. Um, the, other, the interesting thing, I'd love to get an old radio guy on to ask about this because uh, so Jeremy Coleman is in D.C. and then gets the PD job in New York. He somehow discovered Ron and Fez in Tampa, which I'd love to know, like how that happened back in the day. You know what I mean? Like because I do. I have heard stories where. Uh, literally like program directors would have to travel to like, so say you're, you know, scouting Ron and Fez in Tampa or Daytona beach, you would have to travel down there and just sit in your hotel room and listen to the radio. Yeah. (laughs) To hear what they sounded like. Yeah. It's crazy how, how far that's come, but like you even think like even sending a tape, like how archaic, like think about now, like how archaic that is to send a tape, but yeah, traveling down, you didn't have to leave the hotel. You might not even have to leave the airport. Fly in, turn on the radio and leave. (laughs) It had to be such a pain in the ass back then. But I think much more common then than now where radio guys would travel all over the country. Like that was just kind of the life of a radio guy where you might spend six months in Tampa and then get a job in fucking Wisconsin or wherever. Like you kind of just assumed that your life would be on the road because radio jobs are so incredibly insecure. Um. So Ron Fez spent a couple of years in Daytona Beach. Jeremy Coleman brings them up to um, New York where they join WNEW um, and they start there doing uh, overnights like 11 to three with a show called Ron and Fez dot com. And it sounds you talk about archaic. This sounds archaic now. Um, like the example I always use, if you if you go listen to the you ever seen that clip of the Today Show? where Brian Gumbel is like, it's called the World Wide Web. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. And they're they're talking about like the the ampers, like the at symbol. The, yeah. Yeah. They're like, and what is that? They, you say at it's not an A. Right. <laughs> so uh, Ron Fez used that like the early days of the Internet um, to their advantage because they got very popular. Like they would have these websites that were, you know, before Reddit, like message boards is what people would use. It was these focused message boards. Opie and Anthony had whack bag. Um, Ron and Fez had a couple different ones and they were very, go- very good at uh, building up like a community 
I would say not dissimilar from like the Minifan world or something like that, where they would have these, you know, kind of weird live events and gatherings where it was basically just getting the fans together to hang out. Um, and it was, wasn't quite as obscure as like uh, Magnolia, Mississippi, let's say, but uh, they would have, they, it felt like they had that kind of community and they were able to befriend like Opie and Anthony and kind of, you know, build their audience along with them. And I've always equated it to like the nicer. So Opie and Anthony had the pests, which were like the worst trolls on the internet. Yeah. Um, but their fan base, like the nice, the less confrontational of Opie and Anthony's fan base would stick around for Ron and Fez. And so Ron and Fez got like the much tamer runoff of Opie and Anthony fans is kind of how I would describe it. Like Opie and Anthony light was kind of their vibe. Yeah. So at this time, Opie and Anthony were already established. When did they start their show? Oh, and I, yeah, uh, they started in. I believe they started at NEW in 98, okay. maybe very early 99. Okay. Um, so Ron and Fez show up about a year or two into ONA's run there. And that's when Opie and Anthony started to like, you know, play less and less music. And mm-hmm. now they decided, all right, we're turning this into a talk station. So Ron and Fez start overnight 11 to three, um, which seems like a miserable shift. Yeah. But in New York, it's probably not quite as bad because at least you're getting some callers and people are still awake. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. But then they moved up to uh, be right after Opie and Anthony. They were seven to midnight, I think. Um, not long after that. They did very well in New York. Uh, they were syndicated in Washington, D.C. Uh, but when Sex for Sam, we talked about Sex for Sam a few weeks ago. Uh, when that happened by er- so that happened in August of 2002 by early 2003, um, WNEW is flipping formats like they were abandoning the talk format, um, which, by the way, if you go on YouTube, you can find a million Ron and Fez shows from WNEW. And there's one account that has every episode in 2002 from like January up until about two weeks before in August, like two weeks before Sex for Sam happened. So I've always wanted to find the episode immediately after Sex for Sam, but it's not. So if anyone knows where that exists, please send it to me. Also, that's because I was they, curious that they don't have. Of, sorry, they don't have that one though. They have all of them, but they don't. No, have they the don't have after. that one. Which I'd oh. love to know the fucking mayhem that night on the radio. Yeah, that would have been incredible. Yeah, um, I'm sure, it's cool there. to listen to. Like I've mentioned before, I've listened to old Stern and Opie and Anthony on 9/11. So if you listen to Stern. It's like while the attacks are happening, which is pretty interesting to hear kind of live reaction to that. Um, If you go listen to Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez on September 11th, it's also very interesting because you're hearing, you know, the day's worth of coverage and everything that unfolded that day. And like Ron and Fez had to have producers sneak back into the city so they could do a radio show. It's pretty wild to listen to. Uh, But they made kind of like, you know, it was a, fun hang like nighttime atmosphere that doesn't exist in radio at all anymore um, when they were on WNEW, but uh, they built up that syndication audience in uh, Washington, DC. Um, so when uh, WNEW flipped formats, they went down to DC 
and they were overnights. And that started this weird trend that Ron and Fez had to go through. So they would do nights. They would do the seven o'clock shifts down there. But they would also do what was called the fastest hour in radio, where they started like Howard Stern would end at 10 o'clock or whatever it was on uh, WJFK. And then there would be an hour in between. And then Bill O'Reilly would start. So in that hour in between, Ron and Fez would do, they called the fastest hour on radio. And they would just do an hour of them talking and then come back for the night shift. So they would do an hour in middays and then do nights. <laughs> and they also did that. Uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when they started at Sirius, they were middays on Sirius and then would be nights on free FM, the talk station in New York. So they had this weird schedule and on any W I think they would fill in for middays and shit. So there were a lot of days where they were doing like seven, eight hours of talk radio in a day. That's crazy. Doing two a days, basically. That's wild. It was, I mean, they're a very caller driven show, so they do take a ton of calls. Um, But like on uh, the blind Mike project, this will be a couple weeks ago now when we, but like we were talking about that big one Oh three radio station. And people just call kind of lined up a few callers called in with like their big one Oh three things. Ron and Fez would do that shit all the time where they trained their callers in a way. Like I've never seen in radio. Like usually the calls generally suck. You know, they're off topic or some, you know, um, uh, point that's already been made earlier in the day or whatever. Ron and Fez had their listeners trained so that they would completely understand the bit that they were going with. Like it would generally be on point. If it wasn't, they were able to make fun of it. But like, I think that they were probably the best trained callers I've ever heard in radio. They able just to go with it. It almost sounded like plant callers. Completely. Yeah. We're to a point where I always wondered if it was, but I don't see them doing that. And the sheer volume of calls they took, it would be seemingly impossible. Uh, But it does have that vibe to it where you do kind of wonder that. Um, And so just quickly to wrap up their history before we get into the uh, nitty gritty. Um, they're at WJFK for a couple of years. Um, some they never quite got the promotion that they want. Like they wanted to be middays. Um, a different show ended up getting that. So they ended up joining Opie and Anthony at uh, XM at the time, which became Sirius XM, and were there for uh, ten years before um, Fez retired in 2015. And it became the Bennington Show, where Ron brought in his daughter, and now they're the uh, only father daughter radio show in the history of radio. Um, So that's just a brief synopsis of their career. But um, now we'll get into what the Ron and Fez show really was. So like I said, Fez was this character who was, you know, an over-the-top gay stereotype, but never actually admitted he was gay. Said he had um, a fiancé in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. Um, (laughs) and, And that sort of shit. But the reality of Todd Hillier was he was a closeted gay man uh, who had never had sex and to didn't really know that he was gay until very late in life. Um, so the Fez character was this older virgin who was like closeted gay, but that was also the man Todd Hillier was also dealing with that. That's super interesting. So I was going to ask you, like, where does the line blur? Like, where does Todd Hilliard and Fez like? So he he's playing an exaggerated version of himself, but a lot of it is just based in reality. A lot of it is it is real to the point where he just became Fez. People off air called him Fez like that just became the character 
almost like dice except for the part where i don't believe dice suffers from the same sort of mental illness that fez had um like fez was a very depressed guy Mm. um had trouble dealing with his own emotions a lot was very insecure um and then over the years you started to tell was a uh, a narcissist in the way of like not an you know i think when you think narcissist you think like arrogant um and self-involved he was self-involved in the point that he would always bring up his problems the conversation would always go back to his problems so in the early days uh let's play the clip you have the clip of them um talking about how many nine-year-olds could you beat up uh i do uh let's just play that real quick This was very uh, so like the Ron and Fez show was, I mean, they would get into obviously topics of the day and stuff like that, but they were kind of early, like answer the internet type stuff. Like they liked having conversations like you would hear on KFC radio or something. When I first Um, heard this clip, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, it was, it was a very early version of that. So let's play the clip real quick. Ron and Fez, how many nine-year-olds could you beat up in a ring? Now, all the kids are normal, non-retarded, just normal. How many nine-year-olds? All right, just average American nine-year-olds. I think three. You are kidding me. Three I can take out. You can only beat up three nine-year-olds? Yeah, I think that's a lot. And by the time the fourth came in, you would be, what, overpowered? Oh, my arms would be down by my sides at that point. I'd be so blown up. There's no way. So Fez was kind of the host of the show would generally like introduce the show and set it up at the top. Um, He kind of steered the ship, as they say, like he had that Opie role sort of Mm -hmm. where Ron might have been more the comedic uh, backbone of the show. But Fez kind of directed things Um, that lost its way after a time to the point where. Uh, there's a clip that I think I titled the Fez show where fans would take clips of everything Fez said in a four hour show and chop it up. So, um, well, well, let's just play the Fez show and I'll explain what I mean. Put it up another days. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure. Channel 99. I'm having trouble hearing him, man. You are? Yeah. (laughs) The big story this weekend was Michael Sam getting a sack on Johnny Football. They don't mix up Um, the categories enough. if you if you're if you're not into dramas, they pile them all together. No pressure. So that is every word he said in a given four hour show. And that was every day. Like he just stopped speaking. Or if he did speak, if there was a show where he did talk a lot, it was always about his issues. And inevitably, he would break down and cry. Um, or callers would kind of, you know, poke fun at him and he would lash out. Um, he would get in fights with interns and producers all the time. He became a very angry guy. And so, uh, a lot of that was because there became a theme on the Ron and Fez show where they would talk about the secret. They, you know, Fez has this secret that he's 
holding on to. And literally, Ron would go as far as to say, like, uh, something, just to give an example, he would say something like, uh, you know, a lot of people think that uh, Fez is, the secret is that Fez is gay, and uh, they would be correct. <laughs> like, he would literally <laughs> say that bluntly right in front of Fez, but Fez was still never comfortable coming out. It was very strange. He didn't come out until about 2010 is when he finally uh, said that he was gay. And even in that, it was Fez Watley coming out, but it was him as the guy. So the lines of who Fez was was very blurred. Was he super defensive when that would come up? Like, would he get super defensive about it? Yes, completely very defensive. Um, Even though it was strange because it was, you know, literally everyone in the audience knew that he was gay. He was this stereotypical gay character who started being uncomfortable with talking about being gay. So everyone knew that was the secret. There was no secret. That was the irony of it. Mm. But Fez wasn't able to. So it kind of became where the comparison I always use is if Howard Stern made his co-host Beetlejuice or something, you know, where it became like it was Ron and this whack packer who was in every day and he used to carry the show, but he stopped talking. It was very bizarre. That is bizarre. It, it, so that, that's kind of like when, when I first was hearing clips of Fez, I yeah. thought of him as a whack packer, but then you describing him as like, it's a character, kind of like, it, it's weird. And then like him not fully admitting that he's gay and then him coming out as the character Fez Wally is gay kind of gives him plausible deniability to like not fully get out there. So it's such it's such a bizarre mix of human and character. Yeah. And you and now hearing Ron talk about it, like later after the Ron and Fez show ended, um, he would basically talk about how Fez got to the point where, you know, coming out later in life, he was probably in his. Let's say mid mid to late 40s when he came out. Hmm. Um, and so Fez always felt like he was, he was a virgin. He had never been with women either. Um, and so he felt like he missed most of his dating life. And by the time he came out and was comfortable, he was already so socially awkward and timid and, you know, uncomfortable in his own skin that he wasn't able to go out and date or, you know, uh, flirt with people in any sort of natural way. Because he didn't do it for the first 40 some odd years of his life. Um, so he had a lot of struggles with that. Um, I don't know. What's the wh- just to get into the clips easier? What's the first one that pops out at you? So we have the, the blueberry incident. Yeah. So that kind of that's that's a great one because that defines what Fez became on the radio. So they're just having this natural discussion about, I don't know, health food or something. And Fez finally pipes in, and this is uh, what is known as the blueberry incident. You're on a health food kick. I guess so, yeah. Now, the blueberry is one that can't work on its own. It has to have something with it, like the kiwi. It's uh, not a, a standalone, standalone fruit. So <laughs> that clip was examined for hours between Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez and just fans talking about it years later. <laughs> that may be one of the most pl- uh, played clips in, in radio. It's a standalone <laughs> fruit. Because it's such a, it's a fascinating study of like, just from the, 
you know, the blueberry and the confidence he says that with to the, you know, dissension <laughs> into a complete breakdown and not believing in what you're saying. It's such a perfect decline. It's such yeah. a 45 degree angle decline of whatever he was trying to say. It's very funny. <laughs> and then if you examine it even further, you hear uh, the door to the studio open and shut, which a lot of people have speculated the reason Fez lost confidence is because Ron just stood up and walked out <laughs> because there were days where there were days where Ron would stop talking and then mm. Fez would have to carry that. They would call it a Fez takes the stick like he would have to steer the ship. And basically, he would just read some headline from Yahoo News. And, you know, it was kind of like that where he would say, you know, uh, uh, Britney Spears is in the news and then kind of like lose confidence halfway through talking about it. And then there would be dead air. Um, Ron and Fez, if you wouldn't have counted the amount of seconds of dead air would easily set a record in radio really? history for really? the amount of dead air on a live radio show. Um, because sometimes Ron would just let it, you know, kind of marinate. And he would say like, oh, well, that's what they, that's what we do here. You know, usually when I talk, Fez doesn't respond. So that's what we do. Sometimes I won't respond when Fez talks. And it was wild. And I guess that's kind of the freedom they were allowed on XM where you were able to do that because you weren't relying on ratings. So you were able to do weird stuff like that. Um, and another great example of that is, uh, do we have the cat audio from uh, the cookie day? We certainly do. Um, so this might be the, greatest two hours in radio uh excuse me so um fez mentioned one day that his cat could say the word cookie <laughs> and they said the fuck are you talking about man <laughs> and he says i'm telling you my cat can say cookie like if i'm giving him a treat he can say he'll say cook uh, i'll say cookie and he'll repeat it back to me and they're like, okay, you know what, Fez? Bring your cat in tomorrow. We're going to make is, him say cookie. This is the funniest thing that he had his cat in the studio. Yeah, so he brings his cat in, and let's just hear uh, the first clip. All right, so the first uh, trick, you're going to have your cat kiss you. Right. She responds to the word kiss. Okay. <laughs> kiss. Kiss. Yeah, Skippy. she's good. Skippy, kiss. Skippy. Let me get her turned back around. Kiss. Kiss. Kissy. How did you uh, teach her to tilt her head around when she hears the word kiss? How did you get her to t pull, try to leap out of your hands? She's really trying to get away from me at this point. But who would? I have the second so, clip here, too. So uh, basically, it's bombing. Like you would say, all right, obviously, the cat doesn't do it. You know, we shouldn't have had the cat in to begin with. But now it's not uh, doing what you said it would do. Let's just abandon this bit. Um, the kissing lasted probably about 45 minutes of Fez saying, Skippy, kiss, kiss, <laughs> and the cat not responding. That's so insane to just let it play out for that long. Just let well, it go. So then the next hour and change was Fez trying to get to the cat to say cookie. <laughs> that was the so, other trick. It, it, it would know to give a kiss and then also to say cookie, the two, the two parlor tricks of this cat. Yeah, so let's hear another clip from that, that same episode. 
Fez, get your, your cat to do stuff. I am trying my best here. Skippy. Skippy, come here. All right, now she doesn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> Bye, cat. Skippy, come on. The dead air is hilarious. <laughs> just, just let it play out. Just let it go. And there's 45 seconds left. This is here. humiliating. Right. Now I know what's going to happen. I'm going to take her home, and it's going to be nonstop kisses and just cookie, cookie, cookie over and over again out of her mouth. <laughs> or none of that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> So it would be, it was two hours of that. It was crazy. It was insane. And that, that, you know, as much as like we've given, uh, we've talked about on here before, tough crowd having a lot of influence for what came with podcasts, Opie and Anthony, certainly obviously Howard Stern, but I would say Ron and Fez certainly influenced. I think some of the bizarre Nate where you could do whatever you wanted on a podcast I feel like yeah. Ron and Fez were kind of one of the first to do that with a radio show. Well, even like, I don't know when this clip was exactly, but even if you think back to the tough crowd episode we did, um, when they when when Colin would let them bomb and like yeah. sit in it, like that is that is such a pull from like something like this. Like that, think, like, yeah. yeah. And that's the genius of Ron Bennington is knowing that it is funny to hear this guy bombing with his cat, <laughs> just <laughs> repeating the word cookie over and over again. Right. That like that makes it anything that the cat could have done is not as funny as Fez sitting there and saying, kiss, kiss, cookie, cookie. Yeah, exactly. And knowing like if we did this for five minutes, it would be really stupid. And people would be like, why did you do that? If you do it for two hours, then it becomes <laughs> legendary. Yeah, yeah, right. It, yeah, it recycles itself and kind of it, there's a point where it ebbs and flows and then it gets funnier and funnier. Right. Yep. So here's the beauty of the Ron and Fez show, though. Genuinely. You did not know if Fez was in on it. And there was a lot of that when Fez would have, you know, crying jags and breakdowns. You started to ask, is this a bit? Because there were things on Ron and Fez that were clearly a bit. Yet they would devolve into things where you like would say this this part can't be a bit. So one of the best examples, and they talked about this uh, the day. Uh, by the way, if you don't, I guess I, maybe I should have said this up top. If you don't know, Fez passed away um, last year. That's when we talked about uh, on Patreon.com/slash/BlindMike. If you want to go check that out, that's one of the, when we did one of the memorial Fez episodes. Um, but in the episode of uh, Bennington, where they talked about and remembered Fez. Um, they talk about this episode specifically. So I'm going with the uh, the Stakey Gate episode. Yes. Um, so they talk about this. This is a uh, Fez lost a bet and said he would buy the guy's steaks. Um, and this unfolded. Hey, there's Big Fez! Yes! Big Fez! Woo! It's now our day! <laughs> the food is here! Fez... Stop fucking around. The fuck? What? With the bags. What do you mean? That's... I have all the food here. You got steak and shake, dude. Unless they're... Like you put steaks in there. No, there's... There's... It's steak and shake. I got steaks. Steak and shake makes a steak now. I didn't even know this. They make steak burgers. 
A steak burger is not a steak, dude. It's a burger made out of steak. It's, it's I got milkshakes. I got fries for everybody. We are set to start this party. This is fucked. Dude, seriously. Are you fucking around or are you just... No, I'm not fucking around. So that was a bit. That Fez was it. Everyone was in on it. Fez was going to go buy steak burgers instead of steaks, and they would give him shit for it. But the wild thing about the Ron and Fez show was that would be a bit, you know, and the callers would call in and react to it and everything. But Fez, like they would shit on Fez and uh, Chris Stanley, their executive producer, would dump on Fez and Fez would never turn on Ron. It was incredibly like, you know, a, a dog level of loyal to Ron um, to the point where Ron would openly ask Fez to criticize him and Fez would not. That's interesting. That's interesting. But he would lash out. He would, you know, kind of build up resentment and anger <laughs> and completely lash out at interns or producers or whoever. So they would have this bit and Chris Stanley is giving him shit like, oh, you dummy, you bought steak burgers instead of steaks. And then it would get very real <laughs> to the point where Chris was like, wait, I thought this was a bit. And now I don't know even being part of the show. So let's hear a little more from later that day. So there's the Fez versus Pepper. And then there's the gets real clip. Let's do Fez versus Pepper first. This is okay. a Chris Pepper Hicks Stanley. Okay. I went down the hallway, asked the ONA guys who were listening to the Ron and Fez show, and they said it wasn't dead air. It was fucking low. And then all of a sudden, Ron came booming in. Being up it, the wasn't. it wasn't. I'm standing right over him I'm next to the board. How could we trust you? You're crazy. You fucking bought cheeseburgers instead oh, of steaks. Let's take it back to that. Because that's where it fucking started. Try not to spit on the food. I don't know who it's going to take now. We wanted steaks for a love of fuck. There's 15 minutes to post. <laughs> so, so they start bringing up real shit. Like Pepper's uh, Chris Stanley is, you know, shitting on him for the stakes. And Fez starts bringing up like real off air problems that they've had <laughs> to the point where Chris is like, wait, is this a joke? And you even hear uh, one of their other producers, Shelby, go, I, I don't know whose side I'm on now. <laughs> And then it starts to get so real in this next clip to the point where they've forgotten that this was a bit. There's always that one friend that, that takes it to be too real. It starts as a joke and then he starts hitting right. below the belt. All right, you want to play the gets real? Yeah. Yeah, you were happy you're getting a free meal, free gambling money. I swear the only reason you took this job was because people send you fucking weed through the mail. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know either. None of us do. That's something Fez just made up right Smell now. Smell the office on delivery That's day. Really weird. Why would that? It's all you're interested in is fuck. You're not. You don't bring anything to the show where you get to hear about your fucking fat head every day. Fucking say that? The guy doesn't talk for fucking three hours a day. You just said I'm not bringing anything to the show. No. You don't talk and your fucking name is on there. Uh, when Jesus I, Christ. When I do talk, I make sure the microphones are on for it to happen. There's a fucking goddamn YouTube thing called The Fed Show where it takes out everything you fucking say during the course of a day. And it's fucking 20 seconds long. The fucking intro to this show is longer than the fucking what you contribute on the air. And my name's on this fucking show. Uh, Congratulations, a, you did it. Uh, yes, I'm a fucking winner. When are any of your podcasts going to start working? <laughs> you're a fucking winner? Congratulations, Fez. If, if you're a winner, then I will happily be a loser. So that is executive producer Chris Stanley calling his boss a loser who doesn't talk on his own show. 
Fez telling him his podcast fucking sucks. <laughs> and that he's probably soliciting weed through the mail, which was very illegal at that time. <laughs> yeah. That's very funny too, though, how I didn't realize that, that the, the Fez show clip at the, that we played at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that was an ongoing thing that someone kept making for every episode. Oh, it was every day for a while. That's, yeah. That is hilarious. That is such, yeah. that is such a very commitment. funny bit by that guy. <laughs> but now, here's the brilliance of Fez, because I always thought Fez was completely insane. But they would talk about, and they talked a lot about this on the day that Fez passed, that, so that happens. This bit devolves into a real fight, and Fez would get genuinely really pissed and sometimes, like, cry and break down off air and things. And then, uh, you know, the next day, he'd come in and go, how we doing, boys? <laughs> like, there was no problem. Like, he would, he got that it was a joke for the radio and sometimes that resulted in other people not getting it and holding resentment and fez would hold real resentment for people but he also understood that that made great radio and it's why he would throw things out like you know personal digs at someone to make the fight go further um so what uh what what, what throw another clip at so me. we can go in a few directions so the name jason nash jumped out at me because yes. I know him as this old guy who is constantly in like TikToks and Instagram videos with like young yeah. kids. Yeah, Jason Nash has a very hipster audience. Um, like I, I don't know him at all, but he's very, very popular in like certain circles um, of the Internet. I remember and, uh, I remember when like Instagram first started getting big and like Snapchat and even YouTube, he would be in like doing videos with like kids that were like 15, 20 years younger than him, or at least it looked like it. I don't know. I don't know. Jason Nash from a hole in the wall, but yeah, I think he, he was, was good with that stuff. He was good on social media and Vine, I think maybe. Yeah, uh, Vine. Yeah, right. That was it. Yep. Vine. And, uh, you know, he also like he would self-fund these independent movies that he made and stuff like that. I don't know much about him. He, he seems like a pretty innovative guy. Mm -hmm. Um. But uh, he came in one day and evidently he, he was a fan of Ron and Fez before he came in. So at a very weird time of Ron and Fez, he asked questions that a lot of fans were wondering. Um, so let's hear a little bit of Jason Nash in on uh, the Ron and Fez show. How, I, what is what is your relationship like? I'm so curious as a fan, like you guys get along. Are you friends or? Well, we used to be used to be. We used to be really, really close. You can see how depressed Fez is for me even <laughs> saying that. I mean, he was like an uncle to my kids. But through the years, we've got more and more distant. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible, I think, for people to stay close if you're in a band on a show, yeah. anything else. Like I just did the unmasked with ONA and like they were going, well, we brought Jimmy in during the one year that we went and didn't talk to each other, even during commercials yeah. and everybody in the place gasped at me. And I'm like, of course, yeah, <laughs> of course you get stand to look at each other. Yeah. So I don't think a lot of people knew that at the time. And even Fez, cause you hear in that clip, Ron say like Fez gets depressed with me even saying that. Um, but they were, if you hear Ron talk about their relationship, they would have like, it became in Ron's life where he would have family gatherings and Fez would just be there. Like at Christmas, Fez was there. Thanksgiving, Fez was there. Like they were more like brothers than friends. And so when the Ron and Fez show um, 
when they were going through a time where Fez was not talking at all and Ron wanted to change, um, Fez would blame everyone except Ron. Like I said, he never blamed Ron for anything. He would say that management is trying to come between them um, Mm. or, you know, other like guests are trying to split them up. And I'm sure that was running through his head here where he thinks Jason Nash is trying to split us up by asking these questions. And the reality was Ron didn't like coming in every day and talking about this depressed guy's problems, which is inevitably what the show would devolve into every day. Um, Do you think that, so do where do you think like, is it just the job like radio and media and like being in the public eye? Or do you think it's like the personalities that are very successful in those jobs? Like, what is the thing? Is it a little bit of both? that does that to two people like with ONA and and with these guys, like what, what is like the driving force? Like he's, you know, you just said he he didn't want to come in and talk about a depressed, some guy depressed guys problems all day, but there's gotta be more to it. It's tough to say because there's different relationships with everyone. Like you use like Mike and the mad dog. They're just different personalities. And it's weird when you hear Mike and the mad dog talk about their rivalry, because it's literally like, they would argue about the jets and then they fucking hated each other. Like, yeah. Um, so I think it was just like, it, sometimes it's different personalities. Sometimes it's just being with a person. Like, you know, if you're on a show with a guy four hours a day, five days a week, you're talking to them more than you're talking to, you know, people in your family. Yeah. Um, so I think it might just be being that close with someone. Um, and there are examples of, you know, like, um, I guess it's more the case in podcasting now, but there are examples of people who are able to maintain a friendship, you know, like where they are, they do broadcast together and end up being friends. But like, particularly in the 90s, where you would have these pairings like Opie and Anthony had great chemistry together, but just Opie was a difficult guy to work with. Anthony was non-confrontational and that just festered in this hatred of each other. Mm. Whereas Anthony and Jimmy love each other to this day and are like good friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's just being with someone that like over time, your pers- personalities just grow apart, you know? Um, uh, so but, we have another, we have another Jason Nash clip. If we wanted to play that. Yeah. Yeah. So they wouldn't, I mean, they had this closeness, but there was a thing on air where like, Fez wouldn't respond, wouldn't talk about their relationship in a serious way. So Ron wouldn't either. And it took Jason Nash to come in and kind of, you know, ask some of these questions. Is is one doing better than the other? He's jealous of you or is because you? I know you run the ship here. Well, I, I, I never used to. As you didn't. Fact. No, I didn't until Fez didn't want to run it together with us because he had personal problems okay you know so we used to make every decision together and do everything together write together write separately but you haven't written in how long first oh months and months and months why okay. would you even say months and months it's been nine fucking years right nine years <laughs> and the other day i'll just say this he goes i got a character and it's a character that he did 12 years ago and i'm like i don't want to <laughs> fuck and that was by the way ripped off from snl and i'm going i'm not going to go back to that why would Still we go Clinton. back to that that's so interesting it's it's very interesting and it's funny uh the lack of self-awareness fez had where like in that he knows ron knows how long he hasn't been participating yeah and he just throws that ah, months and months he's like it's been almost a decade fez. that's crazy that's and his name is still on the show it's still on the show and ron felt this loyalty to him where it's like hey this is my brother also they were able to figure out this you know soap opera dynamic 
where Fez's problems did become interesting to the listener. And they would basically call it like they said, it was like essentially this reality show where there was never a payoff where you were like living Fez's life with him every day. And people would call in, they would call it the advice show where um, Ron always called it. It's the only show in the history of radio where guests and callers would give advice to the host and tell him how he could better his life. <laughs> um, so off of that, I have a clip here. First cry, which I assume this is not the the only cry that's ever happened on the Ron and Fez show. Yeah. So that's another interesting angle of this is um, Fez would break down and cry very regularly. And I always say, like when I'm thinking of Ron and Fez, I think any any one episode of Ron and Fez, like you could take, uh, I would say probably just conservatively, let's say 40 instances a year for about a, you know, maybe eight or nine year run, you could take a bunch of, uh, of clips and each one of them on their own would have been a viral, you know, radio guy breaks down on air. Yeah. A clip like that would happen very regularly on the Ron and Fez show where Fez would have this insane meltdown. Um, so the first instant they say where the floodgates opened were when they were on WJFK in Washington, he had this, uh, you know, disagreement with a uh, Mikey D who was always around. I don't know what his exact role was on the Ron and Fez show. If he was an intern or producer or just a fan, it was, there was a weird dynamic with him. Um, but Fe- he, he didn't acknowledge Fez's birthday or something. And they got into this argument and Fez is drunk on air, by the way, which oh, uh, I, I've, I've said this before, but um, uh, part of the reason I got obsessed with the Ron and Fez show was because I could see a lot of my mental issues in Fez to the point where like he had instances where he cried on air, where um, he cried about his uh, grandmother one time. I'm pretty sure like things like that. Uh, I think that might even come up in this clip, actually. But let's hear. This is the first time Fez cried on air. And now, as this month progressed, I have been through personally, professionally, through the worst month of my life. Really? Been a rough not month for you. Where it's been absolutely insane. I had to sit there and watch and get a call every day that my grandmother was passing away. And you know what, Fezzy? She she held no, you let me talk. I'm sorry. She I'm sorry. She held on through every day this month. And I had to deal with it every day. Every day, I got a call saying this was the last day. Ronnie, you know that. I know that, man. <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to deal with that. No. I had to worry about someone else's birthday. I had to worry about thinking about other people. We can cut it there. You can pretty much get the gist of it. But you can hear there where, like, say that just happened to say Tony Maz did that on air tomorrow. 
that would get at least a couple hundred thousand views, I would think, right? Yeah, I would say, yeah, a few. <laughs> Just it would go around Twitter. It would be a fun story to talk about of the day. That happened with a co-host on a radio show. Again, I'll say conservatively 30 times a year. That's wild. That's, the, the music, the music in the background was the best. What was the do you know the context of that? They were just playing that like super sad, like melancholy music. I don't know. They, it was a drinking show. Um, I think Ron by that time was in recovery, so he was not drinking. But like Fez and some of the other people were drinking. So I don't know if they were celebrating his birth, like what the exa- they were celebrating his birthday. I don't know what the music was playing for. Um, but they did do weird things with music. Uh, Ron Fez was very like music. Uh, I don't know. They would incorporate music in a lot of different ways. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he, he would have these breakdowns on air and there's a famous, I didn't include, uh, the Mrs. Fields cookie read, um, where he's doing an ad read for Mrs. Fields cookies and just slowly devolves into tears while he's doing it over what, how does that, how does that work? Well, it's I think it's kind of sets up one of the some of the clips we have where it was the time where Ron was considering changing up the show in some way, whether that was moving on from Fez or what it was. That's what they were discussing on the show that day. And Fez has this breakdown during the Mrs. Fields cookie read, and it had to provoke Ron provoked Ron to have to come back after the break and go, just so everyone knows, Mrs. Fields is a fine cookie. There's nothing <laughs> sad about them. <laughs> but, That's very uh, funny. One of the clips I had, I forget what I labeled it, but it's from um, it's kind of from that time where they're talking about uh, breaking up and Fez would go through these quiet periods and either yes. not talk or lash out. So I have quiet Fez. I got two clips. All right, let's hear that. Yeah, let's go to that. Fez, you're not talking at all today. You're being very quiet. No, I'm just I'm just um Sorry, I just got caught up in my own head. Well, what, you're on the radio. Yeah, I was just wondering if what you were thinking about has anything to do to, uh, with me. Well, no, it's not like I'm going to have you put away or anything. Well, that's good to know. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Even though it'll probably take one phone call, maybe two, to at least Baker Act. <laughs> So that is a day where like the context of that is Ron sat in on ONA that morning. I don't know if Jimmy was out or something like that. Um, So Bennington was on Opie and Anthony and he talked about how great it was to hang out with those guys and just actually like do a real radio show without all the drama. (laughs) And so Fez got very paranoid and would say things like, did Opie and Anthony say something to you to like make you, not want to do this show anymore. And Ron, <laughs> there's a great line once where Ron said, I don't think Opie and Anthony have given me advice on anything. <laughs> they've, never, <laughs> they've never given me advice in my entire life. Why would they advise me to leave? They like you. Why would they advise me to leave you? So Fez would get very paranoid and think everyone was trying to break them up. Um, you said we had another clip from that. Episode? Yeah, it's another clip. That, that last clip, though, how it starts, he's like, sorry, I'm just uh, in my own head or whatever he said, Fez. And Ron's like, yeah, but you're you're on the radio. Right. And that was every day. <laughs> and again, where I where I said that I could, you know, see a lot of myself and Fez and that started to scare me. It's like I was never like that. But there were a lot of times like I was never literally not speaking, but there were times where like I 
didn't know I was too in my head and didn't know what to, was afraid to say the wrong thing and things like that. So yeah. I can relate to those on a minor level. That was, I think one of the great things about the Ron Fez show is as extreme as Fez's problems were, a lot of people could see themselves in him. Mm. So it was easy to call in and give advice and say, and want to help the guy. Um, because you could see yourself in him, but also say like, well, at least I'm not that bad, you know? Yeah, right, right. Uh, let's see the next clip. Fez had always presented himself as the Fez character. Very, very funny character he invented. And he did it to all of us all the time. But this show kind of became a reality show for him. And it got caught up and did like his problems were going to be even good for work or whatever, you know? Yeah. But there became like, hey, this is interesting. This guy's crying on the radio. No one else ever does that. Or he's confused on the radio or he's viciously angry about some anti-gay thing. And, I, you know, it kind of works. But I just think we got away from the entertainment thing. Then we came back and did it for a couple of weeks. You said you were happy. Yeah. It, it sounds like ONA must have said something to you about me. Why would they say anything about you about me that I I don't know more than they do? What could they what insight could they give me? And that's what Fez never really understood. Like he thought everyone was trying to drive a wedge between him and Ron for some reason, but he would never listen to the you know, they would do 3 hours a day of people calling in and saying Fez try this, Fez do that, maybe this would help you. And he would say, oh, okay, and then never do anything. Mm. And that's, again, where I would, you know, uh, that was like with me where I finally got help with my vision and things like that. Because I would say for, you know, uh, 15, 20 years, whatever it was, uh, I'd go, oh, yeah, okay, I could do that, I guess. Or I don't think that would help me. But I would never look into, like, what would help me. So, like, I understand that level of depression where, like, you're just ignoring your problems, which gets, but talking about them all the time, which gets very exhausting to be around. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, they went through that for a while where um, Ron would kind of say like, Hey, you know, get back into doing these characters. So Fez would do them for a week and then, you know, lose steam and revert back into not talking and that sort of shit. Um, and he also mentions the violently angry in that clip. Do we have the uh, intern Freddy clip? Sure do. I think that's a good example of Fez losing it. Again, this is a drinking show where uh, at least after the first time I got drunk, I learned not probably shouldn't do that on air. <laughs> Fez, Fez would get drunk on the air fairly often, and it would generally generally result in something like this. Go like this. Go on. Fez, get off my fucking back. Like, oh, sorry. One like I should set yeah. up. Fez, you need to get off my. Um, I should set up. The, so this is intern Freddy. Uh, Eastside Dave McDonald, executive producer at the time, was egging Freddie on to make fun of Fez. So that's what's happening here. Like this, go um, Fez, get off my fucking back. Like, go like that, say that. Fez, like, you need to get off my fucking back. <sighs> yeah, your big fucking fat back. All right. You know what? Fez, Today's your last day. Fez, today's your last day. Get out. Get Fez. the fuck out. Fez, be quiet. That that <laughs> shirt stinks. Say that to him. All right, hold on. Get the fuck out. Fez. I'm not kidding. Fez. Just Get you know. the fuck out. Fez, look at me. Dude. Fezzy, don't throw fucking headphones and Relax. don't fucking get strong with a kid. 
Don't get strong with a fucking kid. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. That's why we come off. That's why we cut him off. Yeah. So <laughs> as he was provoking it, by the way, but yeah. So again, I wanted to throw that in because again, you could see very easily a couple hundred thousand views, a radio guy who loses his mind on an intern, but that was kind of just another day on the Ron and Fez show. <laughs> Don't get strong bizarre. with a kid. Don't get strong with a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but there would um, another clip I find interesting is like this shows the loyalty that Ron has for Fez. I think I might have titled it Ron defends Fez or something like that. Yep. It's a uh, Fez versus Mark Zito, who was a producer for them for a while. And Mark Zito was one of these guys who would fill the role of like Pe- Fez's punching bag, even though like usually Zito would like win the confrontation. <laughs> but it was one of these guys that Fez felt comfortable shitting on. Mm. Um, so they got into it one day and I thought it was just interesting to see how Ron responds. Cause it shows the love f- between these two guys that like, you know, Opie and Anthony mad dog. We mentioned these radio teams. They genuinely didn't like each other. And you know, with Mike and the mad dog, you see they've uh, buried the hatchet in later years. Opie and Anthony have not, but uh, none of them had the love that I think Ron and Fez had for each other genuinely i was just giving why are you taking a shot like i'll take it now what but why do you take the thing that he just said to you about your life's work and just take it he he's got nothing he's absolutely got nothing it's this is him he gets caught in a thing of self-promotion one more time so he because these these are i'm a weak target you that's not that's how you look at it. Yes. You can't look at yourself no, like that. You're not I'm having a fucking bad day. So he thinks he's going to fucking take advantage of Because you're tell- telling us facts. That is not the way to keep a fucking little skinny bully like this from picking on you. What am I? Am I supposed to go snap his neck? Well, that's not going to happen. Why are you asking questions? Why are you asking questions? And what are you saying, strong boy? I'm saying if you, you think you can beat me up. No, I don't. But if you bring want to, it up, I'm right here. If you want to fucking make a move on me, I swear to Christ, that's not going right to go down. I'm right fucking here, asshole. Can I just tell you both of you move back? And Zito, in the fucking hospital, you could be saying, thank God Bennington's in jail for what he did to me. Because if he gets out, he'll fucking do it again. Never in your <laughs> fucking wildest dreams act like you're ever going to get fucking physical with that guy. Or fucking ask him to bring it on. And you fucking look down. You take those fucking eyes. Don't eyeball me, motherfucker. I'll fucking end this shit here. Don't ever fucking play that game. I'm not going to talk to you like Shut that. Shut the fuck up. You Get out of this fucking story. So I, it was like, it's kind of like heartwarming when you hear that. Yeah, yeah. Because he's defending like this, you know, his, his buddy. And I think that's also kind of um, symbolic of how negotiations might have gone and how Fez was able to keep his name on the show and make the amount of money. Like, I think Fez made a lot of money in radio um, because I think Ron was able to pitch it as like, no, 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 this is the show. Like Fez kind of being crazy and not participating. Like that's yeah. the show. <laughs> it's all encompassing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's everything. It, it's, it's, it's not only the what's there, it's what's not there. Yeah, and so that sort of loyalty you don't see a ton, particularly in a fucking filthy business like radio. Um, 
so uh what else do, are you on any sort of time constraint i don't want to keep no going. no we can keep going um uh, so we got we got a bunch of uh when i was clipping them i was giggling uh okay fez hitler <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so these are the things like fez was fearless in a sense like the idea that he would do this but he's afraid to have just a regular conversation about you know the fucking final four last night right you know like regular conversations he was afraid to participate in but if you scripted something or kind of told him what direction to go in the guy was fearless so he loses a bet i think it was a trivia bet or something like that but either way he had to come in um well yeah the the clip explains itself this is uh on opie and anthony one morning (laughs) i like a twist yes this is like the sixth sense so i guess twist i guess oh my god oh my dear sweet jesus christ hold on a minute hold on you did not pull to work like that (laughs) you did not come to work like that this is not what. <laughs> this is a mission. Uh, Fezzi has oh arrived from the Ron and Fez show dressed up exactly like Hitler. If Hitler was really fat. Casual Hitler. He's wearing jeans. But he does have a brown shirt on, a nice yeah. tie. He looks like Al Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Casual Hitler. <laughs> it takes a lot. To make like Anthony Cumia go, oh, you didn't do that, did you? <laughs> uh, and then the second clip is Oprah's coming. Yeah, so <laughs> that's how this resulted. Oddly enough, uh, Fez, you know, showed up dressed as Hitler to uh, you know a place of work, and it caused a bit of a, uh, a stink. <laughs> uh, and this is not coming from him; it's coming from above him. And it's his job to talk to me to talk to my show. Oprah will be here from one to three today. There's been a request that Mr. Fez Watley not show up in that area (laughs) because his mustache has offended people in the higher ups of the company. And they don't need him bringing more trouble. I, I don't know what it is about, like, how they use the music bed. Like, they yeah. just like that is just makes it so much funnier that this, like, jazz number is playing behind him as he's explaining that Fez cannot have a mustache resembling Hitler's when Oprah shows up to work. And it's also great where, like, it's kind of a testament to Sirius XM where, like, they were pretty lenient with stuff. Like, I don't think they necessarily should have fired Anthony when they did, but like overall, they were like, just Oprah's coming today. Could we, could Hitler leave, please? <laughs> Can we please just dial it back just a little bit? Please, please, I beg you. Do you know so that Oprah? Fez would absolutely commit. Um, and that's the amazing thing where even after, you know, listening for so many years to these clips of Ron and Fez, like, I still don't know exactly how much of Fez was in on it, how much of his crying was real or was it all of it? Or I don't know. It's it's very hard to say because of the nature of the show that they uh, created. And they're able to do it in a way where, like, a lot of shows, if we were talking about them doing that steak uh, burger bit that we talked about, 
mm. would have come off as very like hacky if it was done poorly. They do it in a brilliant way. And that's why Fez is brilliant because he brings up real shit that will cause a fight. <laughs> it, it, it Honestly, too, though, that might show the genius of Ron because yeah. Ron knows the way like he like the, there's the base skit and then he knows the possibilities of where it would go because of fez he was a brilliant of, puppet master yeah exactly right puppet he, they would always word. call him a carny like they said they basically said he was a car the carny of radio and he would always say the difference is a carny gets to pick up and leave town the next night i'm stuck here every fucking day <laughs> that's very good um, what's next? Let's run through. So these we got uh, well, so we have Fez's last last live show, but we can save that for the end. But there's yeah. K Corn, okay? Okay, yeah, well, yeah, that's a good one. Let's play K Corn real quick. So this is um, Fez again is mad at management because so Fez did this thing where he wore the same shirt every day for like months, and he just started like looking weird, and he would shave his head even though he wasn't balding and wear a wig. And he had this big handle gray handlebar mustache sometimes. So he just became like this bizarre guy. And so management said, Hey, could you not lurk around what they called the fishbowl, which is where they have a lot of their big celebrity, like live appearances and shit. Yeah. And so Fez was very offended by that. And he managed to turn it into like some anti-gay. He thought that the suits and serious <laughs> were homophobic or something. <laughs> and so he's all fired up and he goes on this rant. Well, then I would have had to adopt. But it's ridiculous that this stuff has to come up. Email and a phone call because the email wasn't enough. That somebody's down the hallway going to Wiki, uh, running their cake horn, tooting that uh, right at Wiki <laughs> so, that I have, so that I'm told right, to stay on. away from the fishbowl. All right, I just want to get one. It drives me fucking nuts. Well, rather than fucking talk over me, can we stop for a second? Yes, I'm upset. I'm sorry. Yeah. How does someone run their cake horn? <laughs> Was that fucking impossible? That's not real. So, so cake horn, and this goes back to the, you know, uh, being in on the bit the way the Ron and Fez callers were. Uh, hashtag cake horn was trending on Twitter worldwide within the hour. <laughs> That's funny. And they would just have cars call up and, and say cake horn and uh, tie cake horn into different things. And the whole time Fez is like, but you don't understand. It's homophobic what they're doing. It's just getting angrier and angrier. Um, what, what else do we got? So we got Fezatorial. Um, and we yeah, have we'll skip, uh, we'll, we'll skip that. Ron's unhappy. Uh, yeah, so let's hear a little bit of Ron breaking down why he wanted to, uh, you know, end the show, maybe. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask Fez if, if he feels that he's being selfish, that he would get mad that everybody around him wants to change things because nothing has changed with him and they just want to move on. And, you know, you're getting mad at Ron and these guys. I don't understand it because it's you that's. That's, you know, has to make a change for everyone else to feel happy. Do you want them to just sit and be sad all day while they have to do their job? They want to be happy, too. You know, I don't think it's selfish. You just want to know what's going on in your own place of business. Well, I don't think that's really be being happy, fucking ben? selfish at all. What else could be really going on? I mean, it's it's been years now. So what do you think? I mean, well, why don't you fucking ask me, Fez, because I'm the fucking person. All right. No one down the hall. I'm the fucking person. Ask me. Instead of anybody else. I don't know if I want to keep hearing bitching every fucking day. I'm going nuts with it. 
I want to fucking do a show about something. You haven't jumped into one goddamn topic. I'm the person you got the fucking beef with. And you fucking talk around me as if I'm not. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's for sure. The when I asked you before, like, what was it like? That's the driving force right there. Yeah. And Fez would not respond to that. He would get quiet. But, you know, if Mark Zito or whatever intern Shelby, whoever would talk to him like that, Fez would freak the fuck out. But Ron, he had, and there was always speculation. And I think Jim Norton actually put it best um, when they were talking about this one day. They were saying, I think Fez loves Ron, not in a romantic sense, but like as a father figure or whatever it was where like he really looked up to Ron, appreciated Ron's loyalty and never wanted to betray him in any way. Mm. And that manifested in him not wanting to ever upset Ron, but not knowing that all he had to do was listen to Ron (laughs) and and start contributing on the show again. And that's all that Ron needed really. Right. So it became a weird, you know, and you could tell Ron was always very uncomfortable when shit like that would come up. Cause like I said, he's a very private guy, but people would dissect their relationship in that way. And that made him very uncomfortable also, which I'm sure built on the frustration with the show. Um, but uh, how many more clips do we have? So we have um, Fez's last live show, then his last words, uh, regrets, and then, you know, the. Okay, cool. Per- that's perfect. So I think that's a good setup for um, let's hear the regrets clip. Cause I think this was interesting. So this is from um, the day after Fez died. They do the Bennington show, um, which. Uh, how did two- Fez die? Sorry to interrupt. How did, how did Fez die? Uh, one of his many heart attacks, his final yeah. heart attack. Um, it, the guy had, it was literally like uh, the fucking uh, Chicago fan sketch from, he had like 11 heart attacks. Oh yeah. And he had, a, uh, you know, 30 stints put in, like it was, he had some, some wild numbers in the heart attack game. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that a lot of that was from the stress he put himself through. Uh, but yeah, he moved back down to Florida after he retired and he would call into Bennington once in a while. And when he did, he seemed happier. Like he seemed um, like a much happier guy, but he still suffered from a lot of these health problems and then passed away uh, summer of 2021. Um, and the Bennington show that day was literally like being at the wake. Like it starts and they're all in tears. It's Ron, his daughter, Gail, uh, Chris Stanley, who I mentioned, uh, Earl Douglas, who was a producer on Ron and Fez. And uh, Vinny, I think, was also like an intern on Ron and Fez for a short time. And they're all bawling. They're into, like, it's, it was very, very sad to listen to. Um, and this regrets clip, it's a very short clip. Uh, Fez's sister called in, I think. And Ron mentioned this. And the line stood out to me um, because I'm sure it's something he thought about a lot. And it's something, you know, you kind of wonder listening to it. But uh, let's hear it and I'll react to it first. I know. And you know what's funny? I wish for me, I would have done everything differently. Every single thing that I did, I wish I did something different. I have a, a sense of failure with him. That to me was so sad because I'm sure it weighs or weighed heavily on Ron where um, Fez didn't necessarily want to move to Washington, D.C. when they did. Um the city in general, they always said, might have been bad for him. 
he became very introverted and things like that. Um, so I imagine Ron looked at it and looked at the nature of the show where like, did that really help the guy? You know, maybe it would have helped Fez to give him tough love in, you know, 2008 and just kind of kick him off the show and tell him, you, you know, you need to get right instead of letting this drama play out on radio where it was amazing radio, but I'm sure that affected Ron where it's like, did I do the best thing for this guy who, you know, didn't take care of himself very well. Mm. Um, what's, what's the other clip from uh, the Benton show? I forget from that show. We still have the last words clip. Oh, this is, I mean, crazy sad, but this is just uh, the last interaction between Ron and Fez. I also I have to say this. This is like Tammy, his sister. The night that we knew that we were going to lose him, that she uh, put me on uh, FaceTime with him. And I got a chance. Just to tell him that I couldn't imagine any of this without him. I thought he was the funniest one of all of us. And I thanked him. I mean, that's the, I get choked okay. up just hearing it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I said, you could tell these guys genuinely uh, loved each other. And But I will say one of the coolest clips um, is the, the one we'll close on. But do you have any other questions about Ron and Fez before we? Uh, no, this, this has been enlightening. Honestly, this is like, I'm, I was super big into Stern when I was yeah. a teenager and coming up. And, and obviously that led me to like be a casual fan of ONA. And so all of this, like, as I get older, all of this is kind of like this, like radio, this era of radio is being uncovered for me. And I, I really knew nothing about them. So yeah. it's very, yeah, I hope people find it interesting. If you are uh, on patreon.com slash blind Mike, and you heard these episodes it might be repetitive with some of the clips. Uh, but I do, I wanted to kind of expose Ron and Fez to you know people that maybe haven't heard him before, and because I think I think a lot of my image of who listens to this podcast are people that are comedy fans, um, but hopefully don't necessarily know about certain pockets. You know they miss certain pockets, um, which I did as well. By the way, we, we did the Lenny Bruce episode or um, Jackie Gleason. Like I didn't know a ton about them. Mm. Um, so, you know, learning together is, I guess, how I imagine this podcast, but hopefully, uh, people get turned on to Ron and Fez through this. Uh, but this was a nice moment. So, Ron, uh, Fez left the show in 2015, moved down to Florida, and then, um, Ron and Fez and then, uh, Bennington kind of followed that tradition. But I mentioned they're big with these live shows, they would do like a Thanksgiving show every year at the Hard Rock in New York. Um, they would go down to DC to do shows a lot. Uh, they were big in like the, the fan community sort of thing. Um, and uh, this is one of Bennington's first live shows. I think it might have been their Thanksgiving show. Um, and they try to get a video from uh, from Fez Watley. And then Ron goes into a bit about how he's not going to take Fez's abuse anymore. He's dealt with him for too long. <laughs> and then this plays out. That man, Fez Watley. <laughs> Every day after we did a show together, would push me down and sit on my face. It smelled like old soup. 
soup? And, and dryer lint. No, I'll never take a call from that man. He sat on my face, Gail. Your face? Yes. That son of a bitch. I finally have the power to stand up to him. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I spit on the ground every time I hear the name Fez Watley. I am a victim no more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you very much. I'm not a victim anymore. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, well, well. No! Let me ask you, Ronnie. Is this what you missed right here? That's what you missed? So I assume that was that was him like in the background, like coming on screen. Yeah. So Fez shows up at the live show like they uh, they set it up like we're going to have a video from Fez. Fez showed up actually there and the fans fucking loved it because it's the first time they heard from Fez and however long since that show ended. Uh, and it's cool. Like there you see a lot of things. It almost makes you happy and sad for it because like you see that when he was performing, when you gave him um you know a script or or a, a direction the guy was on he was a great performer um but he just didn't have that you know convert the radio instinct that he once had anymore so it was kind of you know sad to watch it all play out but it was very cool that he got that moment um and yeah i, I believe me i glossed over a lot of stuff there's plenty more clips i could have included but we're doing this is probably one of our longer episodes already so um Maybe we'll do a uh, part two of Ron and Fez someday, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Learned something, um, you know, sound off in the comments, as they say, if uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want more kind of like this, uh, where it's maybe more slightly uh, obscure topics, I guess. Um, but uh, that's pretty much it from why are you laughing? If you want episodes a week early, uh, go to patreon.com slash blind Mike. If you want to record an episode um, like ours that are in studio, you can go to Vaulted Podcast in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Hit up Matt from RI on Twitter um, or uh, vaultedpodcastsri.com and uh, book a session. You know, you can film some stuff, audio record, whatever you want to do at Vaulted Podcast. Um, some will probably say our best episode just based on the cast of characters here today, I would say. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, all right, gang. We'll talk to you guys. I don't know why I hate myself for saying gang in a serious way. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, you fuckers. Satellites gone up to the skies. Things like that drive me out of my mind. I watched it for a little while. I like to watch things on TV Satellite of love Satellite